So you can clap for that. It's, yeah. So how many of you would like the challenge flag to have in your life, in your relationships? Wouldn't all of us? Man, that would be fantastic at work, at home, at school. So God is actually going to help us learn how to, to have a little bit of a challenge flag for us in our relationships today, because we are going to talk about conflict resolution. How do we resolve conflict in the context of marriage or even dating relationships? So for those of you who are ready to rumble, we're going to have a little bit of that fun today. Now, if you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we are ending a series called SOS, and that series is based upon an Old Testament book called The Song of Solomon or The Song of Songs. And it's an ancient love story between King Solomon, who's the third king of the nation of Israel, and then Shulamith, who is basically a peasant farmer who becomes the queen of Israel. She captures the king's heart. And uh, we've learned a lot about how to have great dating relationships, how to have great marriages based upon these two and how they've built their relationship. So if you have been with us or haven't been with us, this is what we've watched them do as they've built a great God-honoring marriage. So they started their relationship based upon godly character, great reputations, high standards, protection of each other. So there was physical protection, emotional protection, spiritual protection, and even sexual protection. We watched them protect each other sexually and say, let's wait until our wedding day for sexual intimacy. Let's not awaken sexual love until the time is right. Then we learned in this series that the time that's right to awaken sexual love is on our wedding day. And when we operate inside of God's design, that's God's design. When we operate inside of God's design for sexual intimacy, sex actually gets better. And when we operate outside of God's design, sex actually gets worse, actually gets hurtful. And there's some painful experiences that we can have there. And God doesn't want us to have those experiences. And so he says, listen, I want you to operate inside of my design for intimacy. And then those of you who were with us last week, we had a cooking show. Hopefully you remember our cooking show last week. Solomon and Shulamith taught us how to have great God-honoring sex, and uh, we used a microwave and a crock pot to help us learn those things. And I'm thinking, you're probably never going to look at a microwave or a crock pot the same way again. And I kind of hope that's the case. And I hope that when you look at those appliances, you'll remember some of the things that we've learned in this series. So some of the stuff that we've learned about great God-honoring sex, great God-honoring intimacy, is that sexual intimacy is based upon a deep emotional connection that a husband and wife have with each other, and that sexual intimacy is not about sex. It's about intimacy. It's about that emotional intimacy, that emotional connection that we can have with each other. So hopefully uh, you've been able to learn a little bit more about sexual intimacy through this series and and how to establish that and maintain that um, in your marriage. Now, like I said earlier, today we're going to watch The Honeymoon Wear Off. 
and we're going to watch Solomon and Shulamith get into some conflict. So if you're ready for some conflict, let's turn our Bibles to Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 2. If you're looking for that in your Bible, if you brought a Bible, open your Bible about in the middle and then go a few books to the right and you should find it. And we'll have the verses on the screen as well. So guys, as we read this first verse, I want you to pay attention Okay, guys, I want you to use all of your man skills to determine what kind of mood Shulamith is in. Okay, here we go. So Shulamith says this in verse two. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake when I heard my lover knocking and calling. Open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. And after we have watched this couple build this great relationship, you would think that Shulamith would jump out of bed, run to the door, and open it. But watch what she says in verse 3. But I responded, I have taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? Okay, guys, here's the test. What kind of mood is Shulamith in? You can respond. A bad mood. Yes, she's in a bad mood. She's mad. She's angry. What is she angry about? We're not sure. Does a lady need a reason to be angry? I'm not, no, no, she doesn't. Could be anything. Um, sorry, bad joke. Uh, so she's upset. She's upset about something. We're not sure what she's upset about. Could be Solomon was supposed to be home for dinner, and he wasn't. Could be they had an arrangement, an agreement that they were going to do something that night, and he wasn't there for that. We're not exactly sure. But his response could have read a little bit like this. Um, Knock, knock. Uh, My darling, my love, my raisin cakes. Like, uh... Hey, I got caught at the kingdom working late. You know, it's a big kingdom, a lot to do. So I just got wrapped up in work. I'm so sorry. But I came as quick as I could. If you'll open the door, you'll see I am sweating. Like I'm just sweating because I ran all the way home. So he could have responded like that. Now, regardless of whatever their conflict is about, they're in conflict. And here's something that we need to remember. Conflict is a natural part of every relationship. It's a natural part of every relationship. So I don't care who you are, put any two people into a relationship, a close relationship for any length of time, and you are going to have conflict, right? Right, okay, so you've been in a relationship. So we know that conflict is a natural part of every relationship, but some people think, oh my goodness, if I have conflict, we're having conflict, I must have picked the wrong person. So let me go pick another person, and oh my goodness, I have conflict with them as well. So we need to understand that conflict is a natural part of every relationship. Now, let me clarify something for just a second. If you are dating, so if you're in a dating relationship and you've had conflict in that relationship since the beginning of that relationship, here's what I'm saying. You should get out, run. Somebody said run, yes. So either they are running right now or they, they just ran. something. So you need to get out of that relationship. When you start a relationship with conflict, conflict doesn't typically get better. It usually gets worse. So again, if that's the season that you're in a dating relationship and if your dating relationship has been filled with conflict, my encouragement would be for you to move on from that relationship. Now, if you're married, 
God's encouragement is not to run away from that relationship, but to run towards him in that relationship and to learn how to resolve that conflict in a great God-honoring way. So Solomon and Shulamite are gonna teach us how to do that. So I want you to watch what Solomon does and he doesn't do in verse four. So verse four, this is still Shulamite speaking and she says, my lover tried to unlatch the door. So notice what he does and what he doesn't do. We're gonna start with what he doesn't do. He doesn't beat the door down or yell and scream through the door. You better open this door. I'm the king of Israel. He doesn't fall at the base of the door, groveling. Raisin cakes, please open the door. I can't live without you. He doesn't do that. He gently tries to open the door. Now, I think Solomon is applying something that he's going to write in Proverbs 15.1. So Solomon wrote the book of wisdom, the wisest man who ever lived. And in Proverbs 15.1, it says this. It says, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Gentle answer, a gentle response. And I think Solomon understands we have conflict, And the way we're going to resolve this conflict is by being gentle. I need to respond gently here in this moment. So first reflective question for all of us. When you're in conflict with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, do you respond gently? Do you respond gently to them? Do you get angry? If they're angry about something and you're not, and yet they're angry maybe at you or something else, do you get angry with them and at them because they're angry? Do you escalate the conflict or do you reduce the conflict? Do you respond gently? Solomon says the best way to resolve conflict is gently. And I want you to look at the power of his gentle response. Verse four continues. So she says, my lover tried to unlatch the door and my heart thrilled within me. So Solomon's gentle response melted Shulamith's cold shoulder. It had a a very visible impact on her. It changed her behavior, the way that he responded. And I've seen the power of that work in my own life. So in my relationship with my wife, my wife and I have been married 23 years, And uh, you can imagine that being married to me, I create conflict at times in our relationship. And so there've been moments that I have been upset with my wife about something. And she has responded gently. When she responds gently, she just comes up and says something gentle to me. And sometimes she'll come up and put her hand on my back and just gently touch my back. Or she'll give me a hug. She melts me like butter. Like, like, it may take seconds for that to happen. She might tell you it takes hours. Somewhere in between seconds and hours, there's a melting that happens. But, but her response, her gentle response often melts me. And I've seen it opposite as well. Moments where, where my wife is upset about something and when I'm thinking, okay, respond like Solomon. Don't respond like Trent. Respond like Solomon gently. And I've watched a gentle reaction happen in her. I've watched that change her. So again, back to the question, 
do you respond gently? You'll have a better impact if you respond gently than anything else. There'll be a behavior change that you'll be able to see if you make sure that you respond in a way that really honors God and that other person. So Shulamith, her cold shoulder is warmed up. She jumps up, she runs to the door, she opens the door in verse five, and then verse six says this. Verse six says, I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. Now, how many of you think that Solomon got angry and took off? Like maybe he grabbed his pillow and he's gonna go sleep you know, out on the, the couch or something. Well, that would be a natural response for, for many of us. That'd be probably something I would do in a bad moment. But we're gonna see in just a few minutes that Solomon's not doing that. But here's what Solomon is doing. He's giving Shulamith some space to calm down. Just a little bit of space to calm down. He's giving her what, what I'll call in our day and age a timeout. And I'm not talking, you're in trouble, go sit and time out. I'm talking, he's just saying like, hey, maybe we need a little bit of time to gather our thoughts, to think about our goal, to calm down so that we don't say or do things that we know that will be hurtful. So like maybe we just need just a little bit of time to again, remember our goal. So what is our goal? If our goal is to win the argument, guess what? You just might you might win the argument and lose the relationship. But if our goal is, I want to maintain this relationship, I wanna have a great God-honoring marriage, if that's our goal, then we have to approach our conflict differently. So timeout is a wonderful thing to give to each other in those moments of a heated discussion. Now, here's how we effectively use a timeout. We shouldn't go, I need a timeout. I'm out of here. Not effective. So here's what we should do. Number one, confirm our love and our desire to resolve the conflict. So we should say to each other, listen, I should say to Tammy, Tammy, listen, I love you. I want to resolve this conflict in a way that honors you, honors God, honors our relationship, but I need a timeout. I've gotten to a spot where I'm afraid I'm going to say or do something that's not helpful. And I don't want to do that. So I need a timeout. Second thing we need to, to do is put a time limit on the timeout. I need 15 minutes. I need 30 minutes. I need an hour. I just need some time. Like I just need to maybe go outside for just a few minutes and regather my thoughts, remind myself of our goal. Um, I just need a few minutes. So give it a time limit. And then after the time limit, what should we do? Are you, is everybody awake? We still with us? Still with me? What should we do? Come back, yeah. So we should come back and work through the conflict. If we don't come back, we just add all kinds of unresolved conflict to our relationship. We actually make our relationship weaker, not stronger. So we have to come back after the time limit and resume the conversation. Say, like, okay, now I'm, I'm calmer. I'm ready to re-engage. Let's talk again about this. You, you know that, have you ever seen anybody resolve conflict yelling and screaming at each other? Has anybody ever seen that? I've never seen that. We resolve conflict calmly by talking to each other, by reminding ourselves of our goal, to have a great God-honoring marriage. That's our goal. 
And so we've got to come back and we've got to re-engage that, that conversation and work through that conversation to get the other side of conflict resolution. Now, some people don't like the timeout. There are some personalities that whether it's insecurity or whatever it is, like, I want to resolve it now. You better not walk out that door or I'm going to follow you. I'm going to get in your car with you and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to nag you until we resolve this. That's not effective. So if your spouse needs some time, needs a timeout, let's set a limit and then come back and do that. Now, what I've learned through my years of marriage and life is that conflict uh, often happens at very inopportune times. Have you experienced that yourself? Like one of you is going off on a business trip for a week and then you have conflict. You're like, oh, how do we resolve this right now? I, I, gotta, I gotta go, I gotta get on the plane. So that can be difficult. Or on our way into church, I'm not gonna ask for a raise of hands. Anybody have conflict on their way into church this morning? It happens. Um, so there have been moments, my wife and I would drive to church and we're like in a little heated conversation, maybe you know, leftover from Saturday night. And we're going like, I don't like you right now. And then we get out of the car and see people like, hey, how you doing? Great, awesome, good to see you. Don't really wanna be here right now, but great to see you. So there are moments like that, like, hey, we can't resolve the conflict right now. So we need maybe a few hours, maybe we need possibly even, I hope we don't have that, but we might need a few days to come back and resolve the conflict, but we always have to come back and resume the conversation calmly so we can resolve it in a way that really honors God and honors our relationship. So we've got a timeout that happens here. And then Shulamith runs to the door, can't find Solomon, and so she does another thing. She looks for help. Look at verse eight and verse nine. Verse eight, she says this, make this promise, O women of Jerusalem. She goes to her friends and she says, if you find my lover, tell him I am weak with love. Now watch their response in verse nine. They say this, why is your lover better than all others? a woman of rare beauty, what makes your lover so special that we must promise this? If you listen carefully, you might hear their response like this. He's kind of a creep. What's so big about him? You're having conflict. Maybe you should move on. Maybe you should check out of this relationship. So here's where we have to be super careful when we are seeking relationship advice outside of our relationship. We gotta be careful who we go to and what we say to them. We've gotta make sure that we go to people who will speak truth to us, and we gotta make sure that we go to people who will protect our relationship. So you could go to somebody and tell them your side of the story instead of the whole story, and guess whose side they're gonna be on? Yours. And if you go to your friends, which side are they gonna be on? yours. If you go to your family, possibly, there's a good chance your family even will be on your side and then create a chasm in the relationship. Now, I have um, benefited personally from some outside help in my marriage in moments when my marriage wasn't doing really well. And I've benefited from my in-laws even who are here this morning. Let me tell you something that they did for me. So early in my marriage, Tammy and I had some relational conflict that was very painful. And so Tammy went to her mom and dad looking for relationship advice. And they listened, but here's the advice that they gave. 
They said, you don't need to be here talking to, to us about this. You need to go home and you need to talk to Trent about this. So you need to go and resolve your conflict with him. Now think about what they could have done. They could have said, Tammy, come tell us all those horrible things that that Trent has done to you. Like, tell us all those just horrible, mean things, and we will always be on your side. No matter what he says, we will be on your side. They could have sabotaged our relationship. And I'm sure if they would have in that moment, it would have created a chasm, a divide that we probably would have experienced to this day. But they didn't do that. They said, listen, we love you. And we want to protect you and your marriage and this relationship. So we're going to speak truth to you. You need to go home. You need to resolve this conflict with him. So in those moments when we need relationship help outside of our relationship, we need to make sure that we go to people who will speak truth to us and who will protect our relationship. If your family, if your friends won't do that, do not go to them for relationship help. Do not do that. They'll create a chasm in your relationship that you may not recover from. And if someone comes to you for relationship help, make sure that you speak truth to them and you protect their relationship. Uh, that's the greatest gift that you could give a couple in, in that scenario. Now, listen to what Shulamite says to her friends in verse 10 through 16. She says to her friends, my lover is dark and dazzling, better than 10,000 others. His head is finest gold. His wavy hair is black as a raven. His eyes sparkle like doves behind springs of water. They are set like jewels washed in milk. His cheeks are like gardens of spices, giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies perfumed with myrrh. His arms, guys, this is a great one here. His arms are like rounded bars of gold set in barrel. You get the idea. So what is she doing? She is praising her man to her friends. She's praising him publicly. Do you praise your spouse? Do you praise your boyfriend, your girlfriend publicly? If you do, you will build a great relationship, especially when your friends come back to your spouse, your boyfriend and girlfriend, and tell you or tell them what you are saying. That's a great thing to do. When other people come back and say, you know what, your, your spouse is so into you. Like they had an opportunity to talk trash, they didn't. Like they praised you publicly. So do you praise your spouse publicly? If you do, you'll build a great relationship. If you don't, if you criticize them publicly, if you criticize them to your friends unjustly, you'll weaken the relationship. Now watch the impact that Shulamite's statements have on her friends. So in verse, chapter six, verse one, they say, where has your lover gone, a woman of rare beauty? Which way did he turn so we can help you find him? So they, they listen to her and they're like, she is in love with this guy. Doesn't matter whether we think he's a bum or not. She is in love with him. And so they join in on helping her to find him so that they can resolve this conflict in a God-honoring way. Now look at what Shulamite does in verse two and verse three of chapter six. She does two very important things. She says, my lover has gone down to his garden, to his spice beds, to browse in the gardens and gather the lilies. I am my lover's and my lover is mine. So she does two very important things here. 
First thing she does, she assumes the best about Solomon. Second thing is that she keeps their conflict in perspective. So assuming the best, she doesn't say, you know what, I bet he went out with his old girlfriend. We got in conflict. I bet he called her up. I bet that's where he is right now. She doesn't say, you know what, I bet he's down at the local bar getting drunk. She doesn't say, I bet he's out with his friends talking trash about me all night long. She doesn't say that. What does she say? I bet he's gone to get me flowers. Why would she say that? Because that's what Solomon has done. That's what Solomon kind of has proven in their relationship. Solomon most often responds gently. So she says, you know, I bet he's gone to get me flowers. We had this conflict, but I, I bet I know where he is. He's gone to get flowers for me. So here's a question. Do you assume the best about your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, when you're in conflict? Do you assume the best about them or the worst? Now, if we want our spouse to assume the best about us, we need to live that best assumption. We don't need to live the worst assumption. So what do you do in those conflict moments? Do you go down the path of the worst assumption? And do you do behaviors that reinforce these worst assumptions that your spouse has about you? If so, change that. Change that behavior. So you get into conflict, instead of going down this bad past, past uh, assumption, this worst assumption road that you've gone down before, go down a new path. Create a new behavior. Go get some flowers. Go get a card. Come back and respond gently. Again, if we want our spouse to assume the best about us, we have to live that best assumption. Now, the next thing that Shulamite does is she keeps their conflict in perspective. So she says, my lover is mine and I'm my lover's. This conflict is minor. It's not a big deal. Like, I've got to... I've got to remember that. What's our goal? Have a great God-honoring relationship. So she keeps it in perspective. And I've found that most conflicts are not worth the conflict. You know, there are many conflicts I get, into with, get in with my wife, and a day later, I can't even remember what we fought about. What was it about? Pff, I have no idea. No idea. Many of our conflicts kind of fit into that category. So if we can't remember them, they're not worth having the conflict over. Now, there may be moments that we get into some bigger conflicts. And, and I might ask you, hey, do you remember? And you might say, yeah, I remember. I remember very well. In those moments, we need to get some help. So maybe we've got to step outside of the relationship, get some great help, some people who speak the truth to us, protect our marriage. But again, remember, most of our conflicts are minor. We've got to keep that in perspective when we're trying to resolve our conflicts in a way that honors God. Now, in verse four of chapter six, Solomon and Shulamite find each other. And I want you to see what Solomon says in verse eight and verse nine. He says, even among 60 queens and 80 concubines and countless young women, I would still choose you. I would still choose my dove, my perfect one. So he reconfirms his love. He says, listen, I know we had conflict, but I don't regret our relationship. 
we're going to work through this conflict and get to the other side, and I would still choose you. So Solomon reconfirms his love to her as they are working through their conflict. Now, in chapter 7 and in chapter 8, Solomon and Shulamite, they reestablish a great emotional bond with each other, and then they have what I call some great God-honoring makeup sex. It's in chapter seven and chapter eight. We're not gonna get into that, but you can read that on your own, okay? Make sure you have some raisin cakes uh, with you for that. Um, but here's something that, that we need to know. Some of the, the best sex that we can have is makeup sex, and, and here's why. After working through conflict, we can have a stronger connection with each other, a stronger emotional bond with each other that can hold us together in ways that we wouldn't have prior to that. So conflict is not a bad thing. As we work through conflict, we can experience an intimacy beyond that conflict that actually makes our sexual intimacy stronger, a stronger bond that can hold us together for a lifetime. So we shouldn't run from conflict. When conflict comes, we should run towards each other. We should remember our goal to to build a great God-honoring relationship. We should respond gently to each other. We should assume the best. We should praise each other publicly, and we should keep our conflict in perspective. That's how we build and maintain great marriages that will last a lifetime. Now, some of you are thinking, man, that's great. But I I need a little take-home help. Like, I need some help when I go home to to really put this stuff into practice. So if that's you, I've put some great resources on our Spiritual Growth Challenge. So it's a one-page document we make available each week, and you just stop by our Connection Center. You can pick that up. So there you'll see some book recommendations. You'll also see a conference that's coming up. So there's this marriage conference coming up. Uh, There's one in April. There's one in June. It's called A Weekend to Remember. My wife and I have been on one of these conferences. It's been an amazing uh, uh, experience for us to build some emotional connection with each other, to learn how to resolve conflict in a great God-honoring way. So if your marriage is kind of on the rocks or it's not in a great place, or if your marriage is great and you want to keep it that way, I highly recommend that you check out that conference and you read some of those books on our Spiritual Growth Challenge. It will help you build a relationship that will last a lifetime. Now, today, since we're ending this series, what I wanted to do was end a little differently. And I want to end by praying for uh, everybody here. And here's the reality, is either you are single, you are single again, you are dating, or you are married. So are there any other categories that I forgot? I think that hits them all. Okay, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for each uh, group, each category specifically. And um, so I'm, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand. So, but I want you to stand kind of in groups, okay? So in just a moment, everybody will be standing. So I'm not trying to highlight or, or make anybody stand out, but um, I'd like everybody to eventually stand. But first, I'm going to ask, if you're single right now or single again, would you stand for a minute? Great. If you are dating right now, 
And this is going to be a little bit challenging because maybe you've just started dating, you're just hanging out with that person. You're not sure, are you dating or not? But if you've been hanging out, stand. So if you're dating right now, would you stand? Great. If you're married, would you stand? Whether your marriage is, is doing great or your marriage is, is uh, in a challenging spot. Okay, great. We've got everybody standing. So let's pray together for each category. All right, so let's pray. God, what an honor it is to, to be here today, to be praying together. And Lord, you know each individual person here, and you know exactly where they are in their relationship with you and their relationship with others. And so Lord, we're grateful for the information you've provided us over this series Lord, we're grateful that we can learn so many things when we're, we're single or maybe single again. And so, Lord, I want to start my prayer today for those that are single or single again. Lord, that they would focus on becoming the people that you want them to become. Lord, I pray that they would understand something that we've learned in this series, that waiting for the right person is better than regretting the wrong person. And Lord, I pray for them in this waiting spot. It's a difficult spot to be. I pray that you would help them to see the value of waiting and the value of becoming. And Lord, there are people here that are dating. And when I think about dating relationships, there are basically two kinds. There are people who are dating who shouldn't be. So Lord, uh, if there's anybody here right now that's dating and they shouldn't be because they don't have the, the right chemistry or the right alignment with you to make this relationship last a lifetime, I pray that you would confirm that to them. Speak powerfully to them about that. I pray that they would respond with more love for you than anything else and obedience to you and an understanding that, again, that it is better to wait than it is to regret. And yet, God, there are many dating couples that there's no reason why they, they couldn't be together and wouldn't make for a great marriage. And so, Lord, I pray for our dating couples, Lord, that they would protect each other physically, emotionally, spiritually, and sexually, that they'll wait on their wedding day to awaken sexual love. You'll help them to build an amazing relationship that's based upon their relationship with you and great God-honoring character. Lord, I pray for our marriages. There are people here today who have a great marriage. There are people here today whose marriage has fallen apart and they're, they're, they're thinking they're at their end. So Lord, I want to start with them. And Lord, I pray that even in this moment, that they would determine to pursue you and to resolve these conflicts in a great God-honoring way. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to step outside of their relationship to get some great godly advice. They'd get advice from people who would speak truth to them and protect their relationship. And I pray, Lord, that you would perform the miraculous and you would heal the wounds in their marriage and you would bring them back together. And Lord, I pray for those that are in a good marriage 
I pray that it would become a great marriage because of some of the principles that we've learned through the series. And those who have a great marriage, Lord, I pray that you would continue to allow them to walk that path of doing the hard work, of building and maintaining this relationship that really honors you and reveals you to the world. Because that's what marriage is supposed to be. When people see us in our, our marriages, they should see you, a reflection of our relationship with you. So Lord, I pray for all of our marriages that that would happen. That as the world looks at us, they would see Christ in us and be drawn towards you because of what they see in our relationship. So God, we're grateful for this ancient book, the Song of Songs, written over 3,000 years ago, and yet, God, it's still applicable today. There's so many things that we can learn from it today. So, Lord, I pray that we would leave here applying these truths every day for the rest of our lives. And, God, we pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. So, everybody, thank you for being here today. Um, if you're new with us and you want to come check out our intro to Epic that's happening right after the service over in the teacher's lounge, just go ahead and make your way over there. If you're not coming to that, have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.